0: I've been pulled into you like a magnet There's no need to resist I gave in
1: And I could tell right away That this is heaven It is such a pleasure to be speaking today uh, all the way in St. Louis uh, Aaron Bodie and I want to get that right out of the gate Bodie not That's Bode. right Aaron Bodie welcome how are you
0: I'm great how are you
1: Louis? I am good I'm good it's always exciting to connect with people uh, but I got I I want to talk about St. Louis first because it seems like everything this year is bringing me to St. Louis Weedy Brema um there's another artist and I can't remember who it is at present it is also from St. Louis. So I want you to talk about that a little bit about, about, how did you get there? You, you didn't grow up there, correct?
0: No, I grew up, uh, in the twin cities in Minnesota. So, um, yeah, I, I lived in Minnesota my whole life until, um, partway through high school, actually, I moved to St. Louis and I finished my, uh, years of high school there, um, or here I'm in St. Louis now. Um, and then I, I went to the University of Minnesota for my first couple years of college. And I was studying vocal performance and foreign languages and that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, the University of Minnesota in the Twin Cities has uh, like 50,000 undergraduate students. And <laughs> and um, I was wow. just kind of wanting a little bit more one-on-one uh, music experience. So I um, I ended up, transferring back to Webster University in St. Louis because I knew so many kids from from high school who went there and the music program was really great. And uh, I was able to just kind of dive in on a, on a really kind of one on one level with some really great teachers. And so once I moved back to St. Louis, uh, to finish college, I just stayed here. And I started my career and, and yeah, it's kind of the rest is history.
1: I want to paint the picture for people a little bit and try, try to get a sense. So you mentioned Webster, is it? Webster? Club? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's something for people to look up and, and, and understand. You know, he, we hear a lot from people in, you know, hot spots of Atlanta, New York, L.A., Dallas, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we'll get an Omaha and, and and St. Louis. And it's like, let's talk about that, you know, because yes. there's this great music coming from there. Um, I've only been out there to visit the uh, Harley Davidson plant uh, mm-hmm. that- but but my family uh is is from St. Louis originally. Oh wow.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think I've so, mentioned
1: that before. Yeah. But can you describe like is there a difference? I mean you've 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 been in the twin cities and and you've mm-hmm. been to New York and LA, I'm sure, right? Mm-hmm. But w- what's what's a, what is St what is St. Louis bringing to the table that's that's so compelling and that's different than what comes from other parts? Can you do you want to field that or no?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's um it's definitely a, uh, it's a, it's like a Midwest city that also kind of feels a little bit East Coast, in my opinion, you know, just being from the upper Midwest, being from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Minnesota has a very specific culture, um, a lot of uh, Scandinavians and Germans. I'm Scandinavian and German, and it just has more of that kind of Northern feel. St. Louis is much more diverse in its cultures. There's just people from everywhere, from all over the country end up in St. Louis. Um, and of course it has this rich history of music, you know, blues and jazz. Mm -hmm. A lot of that came from St. Louis and, uh, and East St. Louis, um, you know, Miles Davis is from East St. Louis and just Uh Scott Joplin is from St. Louis, you know, just so, so much, uh, history is here and, uh, you just feel it, you know, uh, in this community and. A lot of people will describe St. Louis as a really big, small town because people know each other. And if you're from St. Louis, you you know, and you're out around the country somewhere else and you meet someone else from St. Louis, you know, you all you ask each other all the same questions and, and you just have this camaraderie, you know, being from the same place. And But it um, it has a really rich arts culture here. Um, like the music scene is a lot of the venues and established um, like the St. Louis Symphony, uh, established um, ensembles and things have been here for decades. And um, so you get the sense that um, once you start involving yourself in the music community, it's something that you'll be a part of for, you could, you know, your whole life if if you want to. And music listeners are really loyal. That's something I'm very grateful for.
1: I'm, I'm fascinated uh, by that and the way that, that, that communities come together around music and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and evolve, uh, go out to the world and then come back. Um, so I, so I'm, I'm guessing that in, in your music, uh, you mentioned Americana, you mentioned Midwestern roots. So there's an infusion of that, right? I mean, you can't separate what you... What you do from St. Louis mm-hmm. at this point, right? Is that?
0: Yeah, I'd say so for sure. <laughs> yeah.
1: Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. it, also, in your bio, somebody said that your your voice was was a like a bell. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I wanted to get to that because I I the impression that I had when listening to your your new album, uh. And and we get a lot of heavy stuff here right yeah so there's a lot of heavy heavy music out there uh especially in in jazz uh which we often dabble in um and i just thought you know this is like the the comparison of being in the middle of Times square to being next to like a mountain stream a brook (laughs) so the bell wasn't really right for me i would say yeah it's more like a mountain stream the way the way you sing and and you know, it's, it's just so delightful and I'm so happy to have just that lighter touch in these okay. heavy, heavy times. So yeah. is this something, is that, al- has it always been that way? It's just, you've just had this positive.
0: Well, I, I am, <laughs> I am a very happy person and I, I guess I always, um, you know, I always try to see the the positive side of things. I think I'm just sort of skewed that way naturally. Maybe chemically, <laughs> if you want to really get into it. But um, I've I've also at times though described myself maybe as sort of a chronic optimist, which isn't necessarily a great thing. I always try to find the silver lining in things because I just think it's for me it works to to kind of um, find a way forward, regardless of my circumstances. I want to find a way to be positive and happy and, you know, hopefully, bring out the best of a situation. That's just kind of how I look at things. Um, Mm -hmm. I do better if I'm, if I'm looking at um, the possibilities and the potential in something Mm -hmm. that motivates me. Um, I, you know, it's interesting, because the difference between like me and my husband, um, like he he takes criticism really well, (laughs) which is an admirable quality. But if he wants something done, yeah. what Would you say yeah.
1: you can do that? You can take criticism? Well,
0: I don't, I don't He does some people I don't know, I don't relate to it. very well. <laughs> because if you want to get me to do something, the last thing you want to do is list all the things that I did wrong the last time I did it, you know, <laughs> but if you tell me the things that went well, I'm going to run with it. And I want to, you know, build on those things. And, and so I'm always kind of looking for the the positive side of any situation so that I know where to go with it. And I think I just, I just, you know, I love to find and kind of collect happy moments and memories. And, you know, this album is sort of like that. A lot of these songs are um, were opportunities for me to like connect with my listeners and help them to collect their happy, um, most memorable, poignant memories and, you know, create a song around it so yes. many people yeah don't get that opportunity and I wanted to help them do that so
1: that it's amazing it's amazing I I, I, I want to learn from you because I want to learn how to <laughs> not not grow through criticism self-criticism mm. <laughs> and how to go Aww. go, run with strengths right because time is short mm. uh, but this is this is great messaging for for everyone in the world at this point there's so much mm. thing- energy out there and how you respond to it and how you choose to respond to it and move forward is uh, that's the survival of humanity at this point uh, in in my opinion. Um, So let's, let's talk about the record. So this is, I mean, I can't think of a single project like this in the history of music. And I, and I do study a bit. Um, Yeah. I mean, so framing it and you, you can elaborate is, you know, you, you literally are talking to your fans, they are asking you to write a song or to perform a song for them for a particular, uh, purpose and reason. And you're like, absolutely. Let's go. All
0: right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it, you know, it kind of, it came about in sort of an interesting way. I think it was back in maybe 2017. Um, I was playing a gig uh, for Valentine's day here in St. Louis at the jazz club jazz at the Bistro. And a guy came up to me afterwards and he said, "My wife and I are about to celebrate our 10th anniversary. Our favorite song is How High the Moon. Would you be willing to arrange it especially for us? And I could and record it and then I can give it to her as a gift." And it was like it was like a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle fell from the sky in place. It was like this is wow. an amazing idea. <laughs> like, yes, wow. I'll do that. And I just thought like everybody should do that. Everyone should have their own song, a version of their favorite song that's for them or something that tells their story. And so I started, you know, I did this for him. We, uh, my husband arranged it and and we went in the studio and um, and I delivered it to him. I don't know, it was like three weeks later or something. And it was just one of the most fun and rewarding things, you know. I had never recorded that song I didn't even regularly sing that song in my repertoire but it became one of my favorite songs to sing because I had this inspiration to you know add it into my life and and that has become like my new favorite thing is to is to um you know hear people's stories and to to take their inspiration and make it part of my own life and it's it's just been so much fun. You know, each project is different and I'm able to talk to people and uh, listen to them and find out what's really important to them, especially if we're creating a song for them. Um, and so you're, oh, you're, out.
1: Are, you're writing some of these, you actually started yeah. from zero. So give me a scenario mm-hmm. where someone, where where you would have to write an entire song for someone. Like what was the ask? First of all, the guy, the Valentine's day guy for the win who wherever he is, the first uh, guy I hope his wife understands uh or, or <laughs> spouse understands that that was amazing you know
0: oh i know so yes cool. yeah he's but, come up but, to me a few times afterwards And, yeah. and, and yeah. yeah imagine me and you i do i think about you day and night it's only right to think about the girl you love and hold her tight so happy to if the moon is ours tonight there's no one else inside A golden beam forms a scene of wonder and
1: delight so so, what, so in what scenario would you write a, write a whole song for someone and, and record it?
0: Uh, we've done uh, a few for like anniversaries. Mm-hmm. Um, we've written lullabies for people, which that was really special. Um, I actually, um, one of my friends uh, is, uh, I don't know if you're into sports at all, but Joe Buck, the sports announcer, uh, he's, he, it's okay. Don't, I'm not offended in it. No. <laughs> But anyways he he like calls the world series and super bowl and stuff like that okay. um but he's friends with um kate hudson huh? and he wanted to give her a christmas gift for her her daughter she he, she has a two-year-old daughter and he asked if i would write a lullaby for her daughter and he was gonna give it to her as a christmas gift and so that was really a really interesting project because it was for her but through a friend and so i didn't it was a surprise so i didn't get to talk to her i didn't get to ask her you know what is your daughter like what is she into does she say anything you know that would be fun to put into the song you know that kind of thing so i i just had to go off of joe who's a guy you know (laughs) and he's just like yeah you know she's got brown hair and you know (laughs) this is kind of like that so i thought to myself and it was it was amazing this this process for this song actually was really moving for me because I don't actually have any children of my own. Um, and so I just thought to myself, well, if I was writing a lullaby for my own child, what would it be like? And it just came to me. It's like, it just. Wow. Appeared in my head and I had three verses, um, of words and I wrote them down. And then like the next day, I just thought of a melody. And I think, you know, when you're asked to do something for somebody that you would normally never come to yourself, that kind of inspiration is like priceless, you know, because a lot of people will write full albums of songs that are depictions of their own experiences, which is, of course, is is wonderful, cathartic and very natural to do. But for me, to be able to take someone else's experience and some of their necessity and create something (laughs) it's, for me, it's priceless. And hopefully they get something similar out
1: of it. (laughs) It's stunning because there's just, it just takes away the, it flattens the whole thing out from, from, uh, both the commercial aspect of I'm making this music to play for you. Or at you, mm-hmm. if you will, if at you. <laughs> you. Pay me, uh, and if you like it, you know, um, mm-hmm. it takes all that away, but it also takes the individuality and the and the and the uh, uh, the ego a little bit out of it. It makes this a collaborative uh, process, not yeah. just working with another uh, musician, but a collaborative process with a listener. Uh, yeah. It's, 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 mm-hmm. you know, I I can't, I haven't gotten my head around it fully, except to listen to it and go, oh, gosh, this is wonderful, you know, but um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think you're onto something that is going to, that takes us forward. I mean, I think probably takes us back. I mean, I, the, you know, I've been reading a little bit about history of, um, you know, certain, uh, I think it came out of Africa. I think Weedy was talking about it, but just like, there's a call and response processes, mm-hmm. cultures of you just go like you, the whole village is singing and there's a song and then you tell your story of who you are and you, you yes. are part of the song. So there's this collaborative yes. piece, you know, and it's all, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on, on the fly in the moment. Um, yeah. that's, that's the only thing that I can compare at this point of just mm-hmm. collaborative, uh, music thing. And I, I mean, I think it's just a, a process of taking back music from <laughs> <laughs> from the yeah. people who are separating us with it to bringing it back to bring bringing people together with music. And so speaking of which, um you know, I want to ask you about the cover song, the you know, the other songs that were done on here, mm-hmm. I, talk, I want I would like you to speak a little bit about uh your association and relationship with Victor Kraus and how how that mm-hmm. came out because I see that he's co-writer on many of these songs.
0: Yeah. Um <clears throat> so I met him um let's see oh I guess like 6 years ago now I think or 5 or 6 years ago and um he was actually introduced to me through a friend um I became good friends with uh, a one of my very favorite singers this was sort of like a a dream come true I met uh, through the internet <laughs> I met one of my favorite singers named Suzanne Cox and she was part of a a group uh, like a bluegrass gospel group called the Cox Family, and they were one of the um, ensembles featured in the movie "Oh Brother Where Art Thou." <clears throat> oh, really? And uh, mm-hmm. and I remember seeing her for the first time in that movie. It's the scene where uh, George Clooney's daughters are singing at that political rally, and they're on stage, and then they come to the edge of the stage to say hi to him, and behind them is the Cox Family. And I saw Suzanne singing in that scene, and I just—I remember that moment. I think I was twenty years old, <clears throat> and I just remember thinking, "That—that's yeah. what I like. That's—I—that's it. <laughs> like it's just this sort of like epiphany. I don't know. It's just—I just related to her. I just wanted to know her and <clears throat> be more like her. And so I had collected all of her recordings and wanted to, you know, hear everything that she had done. And—and and <clears throat> this was back in I think. 2013 i went looking for more of her music i wanted to see if she had anything new and and i found um her facebook profile and so i i sent her a message on facebook um, asking if uh, she'd friend me and that kind of thing and mm-hmm. she did she friended me right away and and we started talking and i asked her if i could come and see her play anywhere she said well we're not really touring but we're gonna play at our church on mother's day uh-huh. so, so i was like i'm gonna go so i drove from st louis to Minden, Louisiana, to the First Baptist Church and went to the 8 a.m. service. And I I think she thought I was crazy and a stalker. (laughs) But I did it and I was all by myself. And so she took it seriously and she spent the entire day with me. On Mother's Day, she has her own children. (laughs) She spent the whole day with me. She took me home with her, took me to lunch. And we've been friends ever since. And so she told me when I left that day that she wanted to sing harmony on a record the next time I make one. And I was like, okay, well, we're doing it then. It took me two years, but I made another album. And, uh, she, I was telling her, I kind of needed a producer and I wanted to have some, somebody who would be able to kind of bridge this gap between me. Who's, you know, going to make a record of jazz standards and her who's a, gospel bluegrass singers. Like, how do we combine these things? Right. And um, she's like, you should talk to Victor Krause. I think he would be a good fit. And so she sent him some of my stuff and I sent him an email following up. And um, we made this album really fast, a collection of like a bunch of standards. And then um, a couple songs like one by Jerry Rafferty, Ricky Lee Jones, Paul Simon, uh, Jackson Brown. And we just had guitar, cello, bass, and some harmony vocals as accompaniment. It was really simple arrangements, made the record in like three days. And it was really super fun. But after that, um, I started writing with Victor. And I had been doing um, some regular writing sessions with him. And when I started getting some of these projects, he had a studio in his house. And I started bringing them to him because he could play all the instruments and, and, uh, you know, do everything right there in his house. So I brought some of them to him and we started working on them. And then it really kind of ramped up during the pandemic. I had like miraculously, I had never had more than like two projects on my roster at one time. And last, I guess it would have been March or whatever. I had seven projects all ready to go. And so I had work for all those months. It was, I was really grateful.
1: Wow. That's amazing. so the album that you mentioned that, that you did with, with Suzanne was on, that album is titled? Here and Now. Here and Now. OK, mm-hmm. Was a reference
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, is yeah. Victor in Nashville. Just as a side. Mm hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I live it there now, too.
1: But. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So how how did some of the cover songs on this album get chosen? I particularly noticed this wonderful song written by Mason Jennings, uh, mm. a name that here now. people know. I mean, yeah, the title got me right away because I'm um, the bu- the book got me 40 years ago. Uh, yeah. uh, and, you know, I paid a lot of attention to Ram Dass. I, I think mm-hmm. the reason I paid attention to Ram Dass because it was the greatest transformation from geeky college student to like wise man that I like physical appearance. I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> 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 <Identify> <laughs> for that. But um, be here now. Yeah. And but but people we don't we don't hear a lot about mason Jennings. i guess people in the know do but it's not Mm -hmm. a name you hear thrown around i wondered why you chose
0: well um all of these songs are chosen by the people who requested them from me so so this one i actually sang at someone's wedding i think 11 years ago or something and um that was their first dance and so for valentine's day i think it was Uh, this last year, I actually got an email from him, maybe like the first or second of February. And he said, I don't know how quickly you can work. But would you be able to get me a recording of this song for my wife for Valentine's Day? And I actually it was it was the morning I was about to go over to do some writing with Victor. And I didn't even call him in advance. Before I left the house, I just drove over to his house. And, and I said, you want to record a song today? (laughs) And he's like, sure. So we did this. And we actually kind of challenged each other to see how quickly we could see if we could get it done in the session time that we had that day. And we did. I mean, I think this was maybe like, almost one vocal take of mine. And, you know, he did his parts really fast. This one came together really quickly. It was just, I think we were just really inspired by it. It's a beautiful song. And it just it's so profound and beautifully deep and and so I was so glad when he asked me to record this one.
1: Well, it sounds exactly the opposite of rushed I mean yeah I, I know to get there quickly, but it just sounds so laid back and just comfortable. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's how we felt too. i mean it's it's interesting because you know we've recorded a lot more songs than that then have ended up on this album. And when we were going through to try to choose which ones we wanted to include, um, we were we were kind of surprised ourselves at which ones you know we ended up thinking would be a really nice collection, just because of some of the circumstances surrounding them.
1: Well, I mean, there's some obvious stuff in here, uh, you know, in my life and 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 happy together, yeah, and see that happening. Uh, but yeah. now, you know, st- stands out to me, and also. Um, from bill Withers, you just can't mm. tell it away bill withers i mean mm. i mean i know i'm i'm a huge fan and who who who's not but I, it's not the first song somebody's going to bring up or the second or the third or fourth or fifth song when you mentioned bill withers so were you surprised to get that one like did you know the song i actually chose this one ah. this is
0: what, the only one i chose of any of these um Well, other than the ones I wrote, but, um, this one was because a a good friend of mine here in St. Louis runs, um, a program called, uh, prevented it's an addiction recovery program. And she was having a a virtual event during the pandemic. She was going to have an online, uh, video virtual event. And she asked if, um, Victor and I would record, um, two videos of songs. And she said, would you mind choosing them? And these this event was to honor and um, you know, it was in memory of people who have lost their lives to addiction. And so she said, you know, they need to be songs that are about support and love and and, you know, kind of that are going to give people healing and hope. And and I had actually been listening to a lot of Bill Withers in the couple months like over the summer this was in October um and i don't know this song just came into my head because it's a different kind of love song it's like a song about enduring love love that goes beyond the good times mm. this is a song that's like we've been through all kinds of stuff it could end any moment but please you know let's work it out and like it just touched me you know when i was listening to it so much over the summer and then i thought this is the kind of song you want to you want somebody to hear when they know they need to know that you're going to be there no matter what wow. so i chose this one
1: <laughs> yeah i mean an interesting contrast to the beginning of our conversation but but no, but not at odds with it um hmm. finding the positive, uh, and moving forward doesn't mean ignoring the negative right
0: oh and doesn't that song say that so perfectly
1: yeah hearing it with new years i i grew up in the 70s in new jersey near camden so i'm no stranger to um the struggle of uh drug addiction and Mm -hmm. i've known many people who have not made it uh you know so now when i go back and listen to it and this is kind of what this is all about um it's going to be associated with something an an experience that I've had uh, Mm -hmm. more deeply than if I had just heard the song without your, with, with, without, without your story. Mm. So
0: yeah,
1: music changes that way. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So you said there were more songs. I I mean, and, and we're we're running out of time but I want to say, are you ready for what happens when more people uh, start to contact you because I have a feeling that what you've started here it, it there could be thousands upon thousands of people asking you to do this
0: I would be delighted yes I'm I'm very ready for it <laughs> yeah and I you know I have so many people that um, you know just Friends and musician friends and people that I would love to, you know, include in this process and and work with and um, you know that I know have a a heart for this kind of work and and who would would um, just you know have wonderful things to say and um, connect with when it comes to these projects. I mean, like I said, each one of these projects is different and and they everyone has these stories to tell. And that's, it's just, it's just such a, um, a beautiful and kind of intimate process to help somebody express themselves in this way. And, you know, you were mentioning before um, the the thing you were talking about with the call and response, um, kind of history of, of collaborative music. Mm-hmm. And I, I also think about um, the history of commissioned music, and how before we had the technology to mass produce any kind of art form um people would would have the need to have something created for them they didn't they weren't necessarily a sculptor or a painter or a musician or composer but they needed their legacy established or they needed you know a castle built or something you know for whatever purpose they needed it and and they would go to the artist that they wanted to live out their vision for them and so they had the vision and the means and the artist had all of this ex ability to express and mm-hmm. and convey and i think we'd why don't we go back to that we this is how i mean it's it's like a magical process when you can achieve you know part of your life into a, an art form and i think people are kind of yearning to have that ability to be expressed, you know, in that form. And I would like to help them do that in this small way.
1: I think you absolutely are. And I, and I, and I don't think of it, uh, it's not small because, because, you know, the the greatest ideas are the ones that kind of upend everything. And, and I think that there's so many different, there's so much different happening here. I mean, just from an artist and fan perspective, uh, I mean, you've, we've all been around the, you know, so-and-so plays a wedding and somebody plays Madison Square Garden. And there's a difference mm-hmm. between those two things, you know? Um, Colonel Bruce Hampton used to play weddings constantly, and he officiated them. He would marry people and then perform. And, you know, this is a guy, top of the game musically, but he, he didn't have a problem with it. He said, playing a wedding, I mean, that's it's beautiful. People are getting married. I mean, why, why would I want to play music there? So your th- that barrier goes away, right? And then the, again, as I mentioned earlier, the barrier of being sung at goes away, uh, and we return uh, to a little bit of what real folk music was, and people would sit around and play, or people would sit around and sing, and uh, everyone can be involved, you know. And and uh, so I think it's huge. I I don't think it's a small thing. I, th- I think it's amazing because you breaking some, some conceptual barriers at the same time as you're doing this for people or with people. So, um, so Aaron Bodie, thank you so much. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for breaking it down. Thanks for, um, you know, bringing our world uh, to a little bit more of a positive place. Uh, We've got to keep that vibration up because the the other side is is bringing it down. we just yeah, I agree. <laughs> bringing it up, bringing it up, and you're doing it. You're doing it so well. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Thanks for talking to me. This is really really nice.
1: oh the sun is surely safe.